Pastor Xavier Rees says you're not abiding if you're not obeying. This is what God told Israel in Exodus 19.5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine. Obedience. When God calls you to obey, you can't be selective. You're not at a buffet. When God tells you to obey, He means everything. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. If you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. This passage from Numbers 32:23 reminds us that there are consequences to disobedience to the will of God. But when it's the leadership held to a higher standard in disobedience, those consequences tend to cause even broader hurt. And that was the case for the people's King Saul, who failed in obeying an important command of God. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel for today's simple truth study of the consequences of disobedience. The message is entitled, The Rejection of Saul as King. Saul was always the people's king, not God's. The people wanted a king like all the other nations. They were taken in by this man despite all the warnings that God had given to them. And it didn't take very long before the pride and arrogance of Saul began to manifest itself. And so we come now to the record in the book of Samuel when Saul the king is rejected by God for disobeying the command of God to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And it's revealed for us in three movements. Let me read our text here, chapter 15. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came out from Egypt. Now go attack Amalek in order to destroy all that they have, and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And so Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in uh, Talim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid in wait for in the valley. And then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart. Get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Hevala all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took King uh, Agai, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agai and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatling, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And I grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. 
And so when Samuel rose early in the morning, he met Saul. It was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel. And indeed, he set up a monument for himself and has gone around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. And so Samuel said, when you were little in your eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go utterly destroy the sinners and Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agai, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebelling is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as the iniquity of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please... Pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of the robe, and it tore. And so Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. And so Samuel returned back from Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. And then Samuel said, bring Agag, the king of Amalekites, here to me. And so Agag came to him cautiously, and Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to the house of Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Incredible account that's recorded for us. This rejection of Saul as king through the disobedience of the command is given to us in these three movements. First, the sending out of Saul by God in verse 1 through 9. 
Secondly, we have the removing of Saul by God in verse 10 through 23. And then thirdly, the remorse of Saul towards God in verse 24 through 35. The sending out of Saul by God, verse 1 through 9. Notice in the first three verses, the prophet Samuel communicates the divine mission to Saul. Samuel is the mouthpiece of God. He is the judge. He is the prophet. The mission was based on the principle of submission to God in the present. Mark it well. Samuel reminded Saul there, stressing that he had been the one sent by the Lord to anoint Saul king over God's people Israel. I am the one. I came to you. Now I'm coming to you in the very same authority. Notice Samuel told Saul, Now therefore heed the voice of the Lord, of the words of the Lord, the Lord Yahweh. Nothing had changed regarding God, but everything had changed regarding Saul. This is always the case. It's always on our side. Look at verse 2. The mission was based on treacherous history in the past. The retribution is from God, not from Samuel, but from God. I will punish Amalek for what they did to Israel. This looks back to their history. They had attacked Israel as they came out of Egypt. And Joshua went out to defeat them in the book of Exodus, chapter 17, 8 through 10. As Moses lifted up his hands up on the hill with Aaron and Ur holding them up, interceding for them. And as long as his arms were up, Israel would prevail. If they came down, then Amalek would prevail. And so Aaron and Ur put a stone under Moses, sat him down. They held his arms up there in chapter 17, 11 through 13, and Amalek was defeated. This is looking back to their history. Now the explanation is due to treachery. Notice in verse 2 how he ambushed him on the way when he came out from Egypt. Moses told the second generation in Deuteronomy 25, 17, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. Moses articulated the detail in verse 18 of Deuteronomy 25. Listen. How he met you on the way and attacked your near ranks or your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear. When you were tired and weary and he did not fear God. They were treacherous towards Israel. God never forgot that. Look at verse 3. The mission was based on the justice of God. He had called them to execute now justice that's the present, but when he called it, it was looking towards the future. So you have the present, the past, and the future all involved here. You understand? To God, it's all present. You understand? He lives in the eternal time zone. We live in a linear time zone, past, present, and future. God sees it all at one time. Now, the command for the destruction was understood. Listen, now go and attack Amalek, utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them. It was understood. Because the word utterly destroy means completely dedicated, devoted for the destruction of God. This word is key. It's found in verse 3, 8, 9, 15, 18, 20. The extent of the destruction was in view of their corrupt vileness. Don't miss this. But kill both man, woman, infant, nursing, child, og, sheep, camel, and donkey. Our mamby-pamby society today says how horrible 
People say, how can you read the Bible? Look at God kills children and everything else. Listen to me. They were so vile, so corrupted, that if they're left alive, they would contaminate and corrupt the next generation. You understand? God understands the corruptness, the vileness of man. That's why God destroyed the world of Noah. Because they were so vile, so godless. Today we have children that are 9 and 10 that kill other children. That's not natural, ladies and gentlemen. Moses had written it down. Exodus 17, 14 says, And then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book of the, and recount it to the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out our members of Amalek from under heaven. So he's writing in Exodus to remember when they go into the land. Then in Exodus 17, 16, Moses wrote, God would have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And again to the second generation, Deuteronomy 25, 19, Moses wrote that God would destroy Amalek when they were in the land. Listen, therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess an inheritance that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. This is divine command. This is not some emotionally out of control, cantankerous person taking vengeance. You understand? When God brings justice and executes justice, it is absolutely righteous. Now notice the carrying out of the mission by Saul is given to us in verse 4 through 9. And for the expedient preparation of Saul is given, the place, so Saul gathered the people together, number it till him, which means lamb, the powerful army, 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah, a sizable contingent. The arrival of Saul and his army is in five. He came to the city of Amalek and he laid wait in the valley to strategize, to see what would be done, what the Lord would lead. And the mercy of Saul over the Kenites is given to us in verse 6. So even though this man is really a, has proven to be an enemy of God, Saul... He still has some goodness in him. Here he has compassion to the Canaanites, see? And this is the thing that many humanists point out. Well, look at all the good things people do. You don't get into heaven because you do good deeds. You get into heaven because you're good for nothing and you agree with God and you get saved. And you repent. You understand? There's not one good, not one, Paul says, that deserves heaven. Saul commanded the Canaanites to depart from the Amalekites, lest he would destroy them in verse 6. The Canaanites were people of, uh, of, of the father-in-law of Moses. You remember uh, Judges 1.16 gives us a little cross-reference there, but it goes back to the book of Exodus. You see, Saul gave the historical reason for his mercy. Look at 6 there. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. Jethro or Hobab, same person, helped them to move through the wilderness, Numbers 10, 29 through 33. They showed kindness to Israel. And so the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites here. They knew the history of Amalek, treachery. They knew the history of God's judgment, perfect. They didn't pick it. They didn't object. They didn't strike against God. They said, we're out of here. They knew the evil of Amalek, and they knew the righteousness of God. Now look at 7. 
the execution of the mission by Saul is given. The location of the war zone is given. Saul attacked Amalek from Havala all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. Havala means circle, uh, northeast of Arabia. And Shur there means wall. Israel passed by in the wilderness after they crossed the Red Sea, Exodus 15:22. So it's that region down there south and, and, and west. Now, the compromise of Saul regarding the mission is stated there in verse 8. He also took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Saul was a proud man. Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines and Saul blew the trumpet, we're told in 1 Samuel 13, 3. Saul was self-willed, having become impatient. He entered into the priesthood and offered sacrifice to seek God, attempting to justify himself by the discouragement of the people and that the Philistines were ready to attack and that Samuel had not come. So he compelled himself to sacrifice, he said in 1 Samuel 13, 11 through 12. Samuel told him he had done foolishly and that his kingdom would not continue. God had sought out a man after his own heart, David, in chapter 13. 13 through 14. God had already rejected him one time. This is the final rejection that we're into. Now look at 9. The evil deed regarding the mission is given. The rebellious spirit is indicated. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatling, the lamb, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. Underline unwilling, utterly destroy. Again, it's the same word for devotion and, and dedication to God for destruction. Same word. Saul understood this word. The partial obedience is stated, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Listen to me. When God calls you to obey, you can't be selective. You're not at a buffet. When God tells you to obey, he tells me to obey. He means everything. Obedience gives great protection to the believer. Disobedience and self-will brings destruction. It's like the guy who trained his dog, you know. He'd all take him out and throw the ball and tell him to heal and he'd train him. And that dog on spot would do so, right? So one day he's at the park and he's throwing the ball and the dog is running around bringing it back and all of a sudden he throws the ball and it goes out into the street between two cars and the dog takes off after it. The dog cannot see the big truck coming and all of a sudden the man says, Heal! And the dog stops right on the sidewalk. The truck goes by. Great protection to obedience. He didn't turn and say, Why? Why are you throwing the ball if you want me to stop? He obeyed. Sometimes dogs have a little more brains than us. Obedience is the requirement for all of us as children of God. Listen to what God told Israel in Exodus 19.5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine. Obedience. 
Moses in Deuteronomy 12, 25, to the second generation, said, Observe all and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever. When you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Paul told children in Ephesians 6, 1, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. He tells fathers, Do not provoke your children to wrath, lest you discourage them. Colossians 3, 21. He told bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Colossians 3.22. And Paul declared to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3.14. And if anyone does not obey our words in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Now, do you think the Bible requires obedience? The obedience of the believer is to the Word of God, not to our emotions, not to our feelings, not to the circumstance or situation. Proverbs 24, 21 says the believer is to spend time with people who go after commitment to God and who love the Lord, not those who are given to change. He says, my son, fear the Lord Yahweh and the king. Do not associate with those given to change. Those who are just at the latest thing, and they're not committed to God. Some are very nice people. Hell is full of nice people. Heaven's full of evil people that have repented. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our abode with him. In John 14, 23. That abiding, that obedience. The believers to allow the word of God to transform them. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beg you by the mercy of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned to this world system. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. That's the conclusion of the doctrinal section, chapter 1 through 8. He took a little detour through the prophetical 9, 10, and 11. He comes back to the conclusion 12, 1 and 2. Then he moves on to the practical in Romans. The believer is not to trust his flesh, but to walk in the spirit. They're at odds with each other. The warfare, Galatians 5. The believer is to love and please God in all things. 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Finally then, brethren, we urge you to exhort and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. You see, the Father has sent each of us to reach the lost world by the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's not the great suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It is fulfilling obedience to Jesus in every opportunity we get. If it's speaking to someone, if we're out at dinner, if it's our neighbor, if it's someone in the street, whatever the Lord opens up, you understand? It is made effective in our obedience to the word we are proclaiming. It is to accept no compromise with the world, lest we taint and weaken the message of the gospel. The sending out of Saul was by God. Not Samuel. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of obeying God's divine command, whether it be delivering the love of the gospel or administering judgment for disobedience to His Word. Today's simple truths are drawn from chapter 15 in our continuing series in 1 Samuel. And you can listen to this program again for any part that you may have missed just by clicking on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's much more to come next time as well. And if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is The Rejection of Saul is King. It's available, as always, on CD for only $4. Once again, the title to ask for is The Rejection of Saul is King or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com